With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever in the world you are today. Um, today we're having a little bit of fun. We've we've got Russell out there in, in the Hawaii area. Um, so time zones are, are working in our favor for once. It, it rarely happens. Um, but this is going to be a really good conversation. I, I think about not only communities, uh, but most importantly, just kind of what it means to have kind of critical mass um, and, and to have ideas be able to get to critical mass, you need to have a confluence, yeah, I'm going to really massacre that word. Or confluence as well. That's good. Yeah, because I make up new words. We, yeah. It's a new protocol that just launched. There's going to be a coin by the end of this thing. Um, and and so to really have, you know, a, a number of people get together, sharing ideas, sharing concepts, and sharing their energy um, is huge for any asset class. And for Web3 especially, um, to see the size and scale of these grow over the last decade, um, it went from like, two or three people, you know, in a room talking about Bitcoin um, to conventions of thousands of people. And now we're here looking at kind of the next wave of it, of a couple people talking about, hey, the internet computer of Ethereum, um, to now these massive conferences of which are sold out, you know, as soon as they open up. So, Russell, let's go ahead and, and before we talk into a number of your projects today, a little bit of where you came from and how you got here today. Sure. Um, I, uh, I, I came... From uh, from very interesting place, I was lucky enough when I first started doing um, consulting to work on the first U.S.-based credit card website. Now I know it's hard to believe that um, that credit cards weren't always connected, but uh, back in the in the late '90s, um, you couldn't do you couldn't look at your bill online, and everything. And and I was I, I somehow got lucky enough to get sent to this project, which is like, oh, maybe it'll work with uh, Universal Card Services, AT&T Universal Card Services. And we connected um, their website to, you could log in, check your bill, and even pay other AT&T related bills um, using the website, which was, nobody had done anything like that before. And of course, I was hooked because it was just about the coolest thing. We were pulling data from mainframes, bringing it all to the web, using these new things called HTT applets, which were the precursors to servlets. And yep. uh, it was mind blowing how much we could do. I, you know, I was hooked. And uh, from there, I went and did consulting for like Sun Microsystems. This is back when Java was a relatively new language. Um, and then eventually got tired of working in consulting and moved to Hawaii to work for a company called Data House, where I did um, their distributed technology. Um, I lasted there a couple of years before starting my own thing and working with um, mainly Web2 businesses that were leveraging web systems. And, um, and after getting sick and tired of traveling all over the Pacific Rim and Canada and the U.S. for that, I decided I would try and stay in Hawaii for a while and uh, started working at Hawaii Information Consortium. And so they were the, uh, the, the what's called self-funded e-government. So they provided the software to do all of um, state government at no cost to the state. All they had to do was there was a transaction fee you'd add on. 
And so while I was there for about 13 years, I uh, became the president and we, um, we were processing about $2 billion in payments a year for the state, so taxes. The most popular thing, you know, for people that don't live in Hawaii was ordering Obama's birth certificate. Um, those of you who remember will know what I'm talking about. And, um, and it was really, really exciting stuff. What was kind of uh, weird was Hawaii was the first state to uh, actually legalize medicinal cannabis from the legislature and not from, the, uh, um, and not from uh, a ballot motion. So $10,000 license fee, how are people gonna pay it when banks won't live, let them do their money? So I started like, okay, what do I have? Oh, Bitcoin, that looks cool. I went to South by Southwest in 2013, went to all the Bitcoin stuff and I was like, okay, I'm hooked. Uh, I got this close to getting the state of Hawaii to be able to accept cryptocurrency. Um, at that um, at that time, and then the state or the legislators changed the, the bill to require a paper check, and uh, and and that nixed that. But I was still hooked, and uh, about two a little two and a half years later, started my own crypto um, non custodial cryptocurrency payment system called WamPay, which was built on on Bit on Bitcoin. Um, spent the next two and a half three years going around evangelizing mostly mostly setting people up with their own wallets showing them what uh what a bitcoin wallet was what it meant to own your own keys um what it meant to like be able to set how your priority for payments going through a system and um and that was a blast um although i think if i had been in any other country other than the united states it would have been much easier and much more fun but uh in the united states you know, with all the tax impl implications of spending crypto and all, all that stuff, it was a very difficult thing. It was mainly for regulated industries like cannabis, um, you know, th those kinds of those kinds of applications, and had a lot of companies that really um, got a lot out of it. But um, I realized through all that that our biggest problem wasn't that we couldn't make electronic payments because clearly electronic payments work; and they work really well. Um, in a distributed way with Bitcoin, with Ethereum, with all the different technologies around. But what we did lack was digital identity. And so I, um, I took a position with the state of Colorado as the digital director, as the director of digital transformation. And my two biggest priorities, um, aside from uh, interesting getting, uh, getting uh, remote work working, which would happen amazingly from other for other purposes. Yeah, I was going to say uh, something. Something really yeah. helped push that initiative forward. I we, I, I we, can't remember I what, what it is, but it was pretty significant at the time. Uh, yeah, but uh, um, but yeah. So so um, I I ran the uh, My Colorado program, which was the uh, the first digital driver's license um, hmm. in the United States, and um, you have a legal digital driver's license that you have on your phone. You can also share the information electronically to provide for real-time know-your-customer assurance, which like financial institutions use, all that kind of stuff. And then the other thing was accepting cryptocurrency for taxes. And so, um, so, that, um, so really once um, that was done within the state, there weren't a lot of other really big things that I wanted to do, but one of the things I did you, you set already up, fixed government. You already fixed government, so yeah, you know, let's Fixed let's government in Hawaii, that was done. Fixed, I was like, okay, what next? But uh, while I was there, we started this program called Colorado Jam. And for anyone who's worked with government, you know that um, in order to keep, um, 
to keep things honest, right, you have these procurement rules. Um, more often than not, they really just keep established players in, but they're, they're made so that it's at least transparent or more transparent. And that meant that the state can't really say, oh, we're going to use this hot new Web3 blockchain technology to do X because, first of all, the product's not done yet and we're not sure it's going to work and, you know, too many unknowns and no real way to respond to an RFP. So what we did is we got the community together, the community around um, ETH Denver um, and the blockchain events that are around in Colorado to fund projects that basically used subject matter experts from the state of Colorado to say, okay, let's, sol- let's see if we can solve this problem. If we do a good job, then you'll say, hey, they did great. And then we can go on. We have business, we have business viability, which is urgently important for a new business, yeah. um, a happy customer. And then you have a, a now you can go on and create responses to RFPs or other sorts of procurements so you can work in the business. And uh, that sort of ended up morphing into my next position, which is the um, the entrepreneur in residence for uh, for Buffcorn Ventures which is a part of, of ETH Denver, and we fund super-duper early-stage uh, blockchain and Web3 businesses um, so that they can get to whatever the next phase is, whether that's like MVP, seed stage, um, whether it's um, acquisition, customer, you know, they want to get more customers, or they just want to um, see if they can make it from there. That that's amazing story, and and really again from so many versatile asset classes, you've had to navigate, uh, you know, government regulation, which has not always been on your side. I think that you know, uh, cryptocurrencies have had one of the hardest starts uh, of any asset class there is. You know, you you've been you were around for the the birth of Web One, um, and and the, the government gave a ton of like you know free reign to say go figure it out. You know, sales tax, yeah, don't worry about it. You just just see if this works, um, and that's what really helped us create. You know web, web one today, so I love I love hearing that you know that there's there's a couple of good DJs like yourself that are that are in the ranks uh, of the rank and file that don't understand this stuff in any way, shape, or form, um, and that you're there from truly that that dev level of like you get the development cycles, you get the yeah. you know what it takes to build these and code these, and why right re- poor regulations hurt you not just you know the the industry overall, um, but specifically you know individual states or countries. Yeah, I mean, I prefer regen to degen uh, because I think that the projects I prefer to be involved in are, are generating more value for the community at large. But um, but you're right. And I, I will say this, and I've heard you in other in other interviews that you've done talk about like how the tax implement implications are were much more favorable for Web 1 and Web 2 con- con- companies and and really in the cloud you had to contend with people's changing people's minds about the technology, but you didn't have to deal with all these other things. They were also operating within a, a corporate construct that existed. Of course. <laughs> right. Amazon was a, a company. And when the thing that really, you know, freaks everyone out, who's not into this, and if you're in it, it freaks you out, but in a good way, um, is, is that there's a new organization that uh, a new type of business organization, a new type of working together that is un- wholly unfamiliar to regulators. Mm-hmm. And um, and to do the things that, I mean, taxing and stuff, nobody likes that, but to really protect you. I mean, I don't know if many of your listeners got caught up in, you know, 
the arrows stuff or, or Celsius. I mean, I had some money in Celsius and I was dumb and left my money the, in there. The, even though C, The CEO of, of Celsius is a YPO member. Oh, well, I won't so, say yes. anything bad. Um, about, it, about no, it, it, you know, other than I wish is, I could get my money back. Um, uh, <laughs> you, you and a lot of other people. Don't worry, yeah. the warriors will. The warriors are going to take care of that for you. Yeah, but uh, um, but the um, but the thing here is that we have like a totally new way of organizing and doing business. That even internally, we're trying to like if you're in a DAO, you're trying to figure out how do I work to how do we work together, how do we get things actually done. Um, that's one of the coolest things in Colorado that we have is we have uh, a lot of times Colorado is known as to people in, in the cooperative world, the world of, of limited cooperatives, um, the Delaware of cooperatives, um, yep. because our cooperative structure that you can register a business as a co- as a limited cooperative association is a hundred percent compatible with Dow governance. Yep. So it's different enough to where most people, most places don't know what to do with a DAO, which is normal. Normally, what you'd set up for, you know, a, a, a true distributed blockchain type organization, um, and what many people didn't do, right? They said, "Oh, we're a DAO. We don't need an organization," and that freaks regulators out every which way, and, and, it, and it freaks investors out. It's hard for investors to get into that, which is why they go to individuals, which is why yeah. it seems overly scammy. In a lot of ways, right? Um, well, everybody's let, trying let's to show also be stuff. clear. We've yeah, there, there's some in the industry that have that have not helped our case for validity right. and, and responsibleness um, based on even a few of the, the names you mentioned there before that did have true you know corporate tax structures, right? Uh, and, and still you know kind of just relied on uh, nuances that they believed they didn't need to you know like math. Like that wasn't relevant for a lot of these cases that were twenty xing with no right. with no uh, with like, no liquidity. Why? So why is that yeah. happening? Yeah. So so pivoting over here, and I, I, number one, I completely you know my regulation talk. I think that if you gave cryptocurrencies uh, and blockchain technology just one law that we could apply in the books that exist today, it'd be the ten thirty one like kind of exchange. Um, and I think that overnight that would dynamically bring institutional investors in that could go from Bitcoin to wrap Bitcoin, uh, ETH. You know, bouncing yeah. back and forth between all these coins without the tax implications would massively grow an industry. Um, so, so those are the types of ideas that that I really think of. But the reason why I am so excited about what you specifically do uh, with with Colorado Jam, ETH Denver, and and I love hearing. I want to talk a little bit more about Buffett Corn Ventures. Um, is the fact that when you have these large conventions, when you have these large talks, it's the number one time that you will get the legislatures, that you will get the staffers to show up and listen to these talks from the people that actually know what they're doing. Um, talk a little bit about kind of how you put this 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 on and how you help facilitate the education um, of everyone from the regions and the degens all the sure. way down to kind of the the uh, the no corners so so that's great I mean ETH Denver at its at its core its core ethos are building biddlers right builders mm-hmm. bringing new people in so every year that 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 ETH Denver is there we estimate roughly 30 to 50 percent of the people coming this is their real this is their defining moments in Web3 and blockchain. This is where they're getting their first exposure, where they're learning how they use the technology. The event is 100% free. Um, when you come, it's you join something called the Spork DAO, which is our DAO, our cooperative. It's a limited cooperative association. Um, so you get a membership in that. You get a community around there. And what we do is we bring people in. There's 
like five days before where you can just get ready for the event, right, and learn technology. So they have platforms coming, doing classes. We have code alongs we have to get teams prepared. And then the whole event is really built around the hackathon. The hackathon is the most important thing that's going on. There's talks going on. There's parties. There's also, and anybody who's there, have you been? Uh, I am 100% going to be there this year. Okay, that's the or right answer. To the next one. That's the yes. right answer. But uh, um, it is um, it is not just an enormous amount of fun, but it's the kind of experience that can change many people's lives and has. Good. And um, and I think what's really cool, and and it's the part that's not quite as exciting most of the time, but we try to make it is the last three years, um, even the one that we had that was virtual, um, we have had two different governors um, represented, right? So we've had Governor Polis, um, who's governor of, of uh, Colorado. We've had uh, um, Governor Wyoming come for two years. Last year, we had um, a big session that I was a actually able to um, to talk to Tung Chan, who's our commissioner of securities. Now, hmm. so she That's regulates, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. She was the general counsel, counsel for the Ethereum Foundation back in the day. So she has enormous experience. Um, a lot of government track folks came to eat Denver to see what, what we can, what can happen. And, um, it's one of those things where the more often you get these folks together and that they can see good things happening, then they want to find a way to make a, a regulation, a regulatory path that feels safe. Um, you have somebody like, like um, Tung, who I actually worked with her and she, when she was in Hawaii as well. And she takes her job, and as do most regulators, really seriously in that they want to protect people who are taking their extra $100 that they have that they should, would invest and they're going to put it into something else. They don't want them to lose that money because that might be the money they were putting away to pay for their kid's education or to pay for a car or... You know, we're not talking about protecting people who are making a reasonable a reasonable income. We're talking about protecting the majority of people, and um, and that's really what they're most in, most interested in. Now, ta the tax situation that's separate. I'm not going to defend anybody on on the tax stuff. Yeah, but but to but to pause <laughs> real quick and 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 to you know provide some color. Right? This is a hugely important you know part of this entire process. That um, there's a lot of ways to lose money, and there's a lot of risks of which people will will take to to lose money. Um, but when they lose money in a way that they don't believe they could have lost money. If you deposit money into a bank, or, or let's just pick on Celsius, they're, they're right here. Um, if you if you deposit into Celsius and you believe that, you know, I deposited this money, irregardless of, you know, hey, they're giving these great APYs, if they suddenly one day discontinue those APYs, you still should be able to pull your original capital back out. Or, hey, if you invested in a coin that went down, there's still, you know, some some uh, liquidity. There still should be something that you should, you know, get back versus nothing. Um, that's where I do believe this this uh, entire industry has kind of failed itself uh, for getting a little too aggressive on, on the... Um, on the multipliers uh, and, and thinking that, you know, the, the bull run once it starts is always going to run. Um, it does turn around. And when you're, when you're, if you're the one left holding the bag, uh, it's a really bad place to be. And that's why I don't blame regulators for stepping in and saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean zero? Like zero is not an option here. Right. Right. I, I think, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and you know, what was funny in, in the Celsius situation, I remember when they sent out the, the new terms and agreements and I looked through it and I was like, this seems messed up, but 
And, but, but, you know, and I know better, I know better. And I was like, but of course they're regulated, you know, they're regulated. They were using a custodial co a company to have custody of all the funds. Oh, they're, they're, they're on the level. I didn't like take the extra 55 seconds. It probably would have taken to say, you know what? This isn't the deal. I, this isn't the deal I signed up for. Yeah. Right. And that's what it came, comes down to. They, they changed their terms to say, oh, you're now giving us your money and we're putting into stuff. You, we're no longer in custody of your funds. You're giving it to us and we're giving you a return. And when that language changes legally, you end up where we, we are now. Yeah, and, and nobody reads terms of services. Right. There's, you know, it, it's it's the nuance, and that's where you need, um, you know, again, I, I am not a proponent of regulation in any way, shape, or form. Um, but we're going to get it, and it might as well be common sense regulation that does adhere towards not just where we are today, but where we need to go in the future. And I think that's one of the things I talk about the most, and the things that you know we as as YWAL members and really the leaders around the globe is not just U.S. regulations, but we need some commonality around around the globe on how to manage this new evolving technology. Um, the internet is, the web one and web two are still broken today um, by, by archaic, uh, you know, contracts of, of where digital media can reside. Like the fact that when a studio says, hey, we want to put out this song or this, this movie, it really can't go global in, in the same time and second. It has to go through these archaic contracts that, you know, have been around before the technology existed. And so now all of a sudden we're trying to evolve to, to, to Web3. Um, and and we still haven't resolved a lot of these, these old laws that are still in the books and, and workflows. Um, and it's just going to compound and get worse. For so sure. what, what's your, you know, when, when you guys are, are talking about and planning and inviting, you know, governors and everything else, how do you help give them a primer so they even understand the language that's being spoken at these conferences. Because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a whole different world that they're walking yeah. into. I mean, nomenclature is the most single most important thing, right? And when you talk about, um, for instance, I can talk about um, NFTs and I can talk about all this stuff and regulators will be like, you know, sitting erect there, they're like, okay, this is serious. And I can talk about digital collectibles and they're like, oh yeah, Digital collectibles. That's great. I love digital collectibles. My kids have them, whatever. Uh, they have LOL, LOL kids or whatever it is. You know, um, it's so interesting. Those are the same things. You know, a digital collectible can be an, NF an NFT. No, no, you know, so, so what we have to do is there is triggering language. This is just like when you deal with a, you know, a spouse or something like that. There's triggering language that we have to get around. And I think for my part, the most important thing that we can do to find common ground is there is, you know, if you look at the whole of blockchain and web three, there is a, there's a small portion of it that is financial things that could be considered securities. Um, yeah. and then there is a huge swath of other things. Now people uh, right away glean on to the things that, that the shiny things that are easiest to implement, like swappers and tokens and all that stuff. But, what we really need to do is mainstream this technology and show regulators that there's a real benefit to it. I mean, if you remember, like, well, you may not, I don't know. Um, when, when online trading first came on, I think it was Daytech that brought it on, you know, Schwab and all the big companies were like, oh yeah, people don't want, to. They, they want to have a relationship with their trader. Yeah. Uh, that, I'm a trusted member of the family, you know, and uh, 
they could not have been more wrong, you know, uh, because people want the ability to make that decision themselves. I, it's like, it's like what Martin Luther did to the Catholic Church, and they get letting people have a personal relationship with with their God instead of having to go through a priest to have a yep. relationship with God. And uh, not to say that that you know your 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 investments are, are God. It's just uh, just a thing. Don't worry. Don't worry. We can. It's it, you can offend anyone on this okay. on the show, uh, and it, it means glad. nothing. So, <laughs> but uh, um, but I think that's that's the real key, and and really. When you talk about things like digital identity, when you talk talk about digital collectibles, when you talk about gamification, when you talk about transparency, when you talk about—I mean, you mentioned hello sign and stuff like that all the time on, on the show. You know, like these kinds of things. This technology um, leveraging blockchain in a way that's just stupid easy, and uh, uh, and basically you're leveraging this worldwide these worldwide blockchains as a method for delivering zero knowledge proofs. Um, then suddenly, you know, you're enabling a whole new level of technology that is potentially orders of magnitude larger than the internet did. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think, I think that, that the real, the best thing that we can do for ourselves inside of our community, our block, you know, our community of blockchain and web three people is focus on the things that improve the most people's lives. Find ways to make the ni- the other 99% who hasn't found the technology um, see that it works for them. To the point to which people don't talk about Web3 anymore because they just talk about solutions. Just like nobody says, oh yeah, I'm a database developer. If they do, they're dorks, right? Um, you know, but they just know, oh, I develop applications. Yeah, so- yeah, so so on that note, and I, I completely agree. Web three will be mainstream when no one talks about the technology anymore. Um, there's absolutely conferences out there for Amazon S three. There's there's you know Mac Dev conferences. There's there's all these Dev conferences that exist um, for for all of us true hardcore geeks that really want to understand you know what's the difference of this one and zero that they just made. You know where's the evolution of the code going? But for ninety nine point nine percent of people, like. I, I turned on my computer. Does it work? Um, right. I visited a website. Is it fast? And and now we need to get to the point where like I bought an asset or I, I own something on on you know online. Um, I needed to be verifiable and I needed to be the the true source of like of anyone knows this is mine. I own this, and if I sell it, um, then then it's it's gone and and you know this is this is a permanent thing. Right now, you know, my biggest challenge I have is it's just it's this is like very much like web one. Like you had to actually know what servers you're dialing into. Um, you know, and, and let's be clear. I, I am an ETH fan, uh, but I'm not an ETH maxi. Um, I believe ETH, Ethereum will be around most likely forever. If we, if you guys can continue what you're doing, but I believe there's going to be multiple chains, many chains. In fact, we had a large conversation about public versus private blockchains. Um, and I can say that there's a lot of interest in private blockchain technology. And I think that's still a huge win. Um, because if you have more, the more coders, the more companies, that are utilizing the, uh, the the blockchain ledger, the more it integrates into everything else that Ethereum has been doing over the last you know few years. Um, but again, when ETH Denver started, like Ethereum was it. Like there was Bitcoin, there was Ethereum, and then everything else was a shitcoin. Right. How is the how is the conference evolving today? As there are some you know major viable alternatives as well as viable integrations of level twos and and level zeros um, into the Ethereum ecosystem. Well, I think, I mean, obviously the level twos dig it because it's part of that. But, but you know, Nier has been there from the beginning. Lots of the, you know, Avalanche 
if you go, every, you know, I'm sure next year when we have East Denver at the end of February, people will be wearing the, the source code on their T-shirt that's, that, that's trying to get themselves in trouble for having the, the code to the contract for, you know, for Avalanche uh, or Tornado Cash, actually, for Tornado Cash. Um, they're going to have, you know, it has expanded enormously. And what's interesting is, you know, I was, a, I was not a Bitcoin maxi, but I was definitely a Bitcoiner uh, because it worked, right? Because you could yep. use it right then. And my company was, was based on that when, um, when I went to the first ETH Denver. And, um, and people were like, oh, Bitcoin, huh? You know, um, but, uh, you know, I am not a maxi for anything, but I do recognize that certain things are good for certain purposes. Um, and I also recognize that public blockchains are great for public uses, but for private uses, you know, you're not going to. Now, I, I'm much less interested in private blockchains, to be, to be quite frank. I think that enterprises have had plenty of money to do things, and they will continue to have plenty of money to do things. But what I am more interested in doing is working with technology that enables um, public goods or improvement in um, in competition of, of smaller distributed teams of providing better solutions to people. And I think you get that from a public blockchain. So I would say maybe I'm a public blockchain maxi. Um, and, which and, is, I, and I think that's a, that's, a, that's a great answer. And because at the end of the day, the, irregardless, we're such a small asset class. Today, we sit under under a trillion dollars for the entire cryptocurrency market class. Uh, we peaked out right around $3 trillion. And let me be clear, that's a tiny amount of money. Like that's, that's in the global scale, I, I mean, we've, we've barely even scratched the surface. Um, there's banks, individual banks with, you know, $10 trillion under assets. And, and you know, so it's, it's hard to believe and think about that. Um, but but let me, let me really ask you though, would you ever say that about cloud? You say, oh, well, cloud technology as an asset class, it doesn't even make sense. No, right? because that's the, that's the thing is I look I do look at blockchain in the cryptocurrency market as a public asset asset class. I it, it is public any anyone in the world you know regardless of you know New Yorkers um, can 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 invest can can deploy and can do lots of you know really cool amazing things and and it doesn't involve money. It just means do you have at, at the most basic level? To me, um, take a, a half step back. I, I think what you know YGG Games and Axie Infinity did with Play to Earn, um, you know just proof of concept. You know, do I love everything they're doing? Um, no, I think there's a long way to go, but it showcased a technology that no one knew was even possible. That you could you could take uh, kids out of sweatshops and out of, you know, rice paddies and give them value in a, on a global scale um, with minimal training, minimal investment. And I think that that's really the innovations that I'm so excited about of, of public blockchains and, and private blockchains um, that, that suddenly there's access that's not that's not gated by any one gatekeeper, and I think that's the real the crux of what we're at after here is this decentralization and and banking the unbanked, um, and banking may mean something different uh, to the next few generations than what it means to to those of us that have been around for a few decades. Yeah, I mean, I think specifically when we talk about banking the unbanked, we don't talk about that anymore because I think people have started realizing that banking is an old concept for mm -hmm. most people like that that people that were banking themselves with cash in their mattresses now have a way of interacting with the entire world of end running money transmission companies of you know and and running all of that because the truth is 
is that you only use a bank if you need one or want one. And we have a lot of confidence in our banking. And I, I have bank accounts. And like Juno, like on Juno, there's a great example of like a, they, you get an FDIC account, bank, you know, insured bank account, and you get essentially your own free exchange with, with, a, with yep. a service like that. That's a great, you know, merging of the technologies for people who have the privilege of having enough assets to mean something, for that to mean something to them. Yep. But the vast majority of people, the truth of it is, don't need banks. So you know, what does infuriate me is when companies come out and say, oh, we're crypto and it's really just a debit card. Like that is an insult to me because that's not doing anything but adding a crypto layer on top of the, the you know, on top of banking, which is, is useful for people who are in it already and who want to get some cool perks out of it. But it doesn't really solve any of the problems around crypto. Or, you know, so around talk, people's talk, access. Talk to me. Talk to me about your top, you know, two or three, you know, problems around crypto that you that you think that we, you know, everyone should be at least thinking of or focused on in some way. Well, I think that that right now, the biggest issue is is identity. Um, no matter what side of the fence you are, whether you're a regulator or you are, um, or you're a super libertarian, um, you know privacy um, addict or anywhere in between or somebody who has means or doesn't have means is that tying your, your, your getting a digital identity is your key to all this great technology that we have, right? Um, I, two, I think last year or two years ago, I gave a talk at ETH Denver about, you know, digital identity is your key to accessing the information superhighway. Intentionally, that's the old name for the internet, right? But when, when, when your on-ramp is analog, if you're living in Barbados, you have to have like a three-month relationship with a banker before they'll believe that they should let you have a bank account. You know, and yep. that's, not, that's not unique around developing countries. That's totally alien to us as Americans and Canadians and Europeans uh, to our experience, right? But it is the truth. Um, your employment, right? Your benefits, your benefits are tied in the United States to your employer, or in other countries, maybe to your to your to your your status as a as a as a citizen. Well, why can't you have a, a digital relationship with providers to get you those the access to those things? So I think the most impactful thing will be will be digital identity, um, and digital I, identity I will then enable you know the payment technology is there, the acceptance is coming. Um, I mean, you look at all the cool stuff with like accepting USDC on Polygon and all this kind of, it's pretty cool stuff. So that, that I think is already in motion. I don't have to worry too much about it. Um, the other is in, um, in organizations, in organizations and business and a, a new type of capitalism that is regenerative instead of extractive. Right. And that is a, another of the things I'm so excited and why I was so excited to get into ETH Denver and Buffercorn Ventures is that really, if you're not playing a zero sum game, don't play like you're in a zero sum game. Right. Yep. Recognize that you can, you can, you know, the old, the old adage, oh, you know, rising, a rising sea raises all ships. Um, but the truth of it is that's something that you say to the people with the little ships because they're not going to benefit as much. I think that DAOs and cooperatives are going to come out of the next year, two years, as as a as a viable as a viable business model 
or, or organizational model that will change the agricultural industry, that will change employment like it is with Opolis nowadays, that will change the way we, um, we engage in enterprises, the way that we can lend our support. Um, political action committees right now are, you know, are ridiculous. I mean, I could see that changing. You look at what Lobby 3 is trying to do. Um, it is so interesting. Um, all the different opportunities we have just with, between, you know, just between cooperative actions via DAOs and digital identity. And the key to making both of those work is normalizing this technology and delivered and, and changing it from being a discussion is, is this a security not, or, you know, what, what's the financial benefit to we're counting, we're only counting the part of our economy that or our ecosystem that can be quantized easily in value. So that's why I brought the thing about, oh, what's the market cap for, you know, blockchain. Yeah. Whereas no, no, there's it, all it, this other stuff that actually is worth more than everything that we're talking about. But we don't have a really easy way to talk about it. So we only talk about the one that we know how, and that limits people's minds. I love wow, that, that was really divergent. I'm sorry about that. No, that no, no. But, but, this, but the, again, we, we've got an amazing person like you, and this is where it's really helpful for YWales and, and all of our viewers that, that watch this because we come at this from the business perspective. There is there is a gazillion podcasts and, and tons of talk around, you know, uh, theoretical use cases and, and you know, when moon and all these other crazy things. Um, but at the end of the day, we're never going to be taken seriously and we're never going to be able to implement the, the, the technology that even exists today. Forget the stuff in the future. If it's if it's not cost effective compared to the the current products that exist today, if if using cryptocurrencies may may cost you less to move the money and be faster, but if tax wise you're getting crushed on the back end, you know I, I can tell you there's no CFO on the planet that's going to go. You know what I really want to do? What's really going to help our business is to increase our our transaction cost by twenty thirty x. Like there's no benefit to it. You've, you've right. eliminated that. So I think, you know, the DMCA get, gets, gets its, uh, you know, the beatings every now and then, but it did allow for digital music to exist. Um, it did take kind of the lessons we learned from Napster um, and say, hey, we, we need to figure out something uh, going forward. So, so Russell, you know, as you kind of spin around and, and go with this, where do you see, and I, I want to kind of bring it back to ETH, ETH Denver and everything else, where do you see this progressing? Is it going to stay a, a regional, um, you know, regional show? Um, but it seems like you've added a lot of extra, you know, kind of layers onto this already. Well, um, it's not regional. It hasn't been for a long time. Um, we have 90, I think last year we had 92 pr um, countries present. Um, wow. People actually coming in. We've grown massively every year. Last year we had, I think, almost 9,000 people show up. Um this year we have moved our location because it was so it was so well attended um, last year we got feedback from people and they didn't let we, we sort of were taking like a south by southwest we had different locations all around they didn't like walking around in the snow go figure what's wrong with you guys are you buff acorns but uh, um but they um so so we've moved to a new location national western it can handle forty thousand people we're expecting somewhere between 20 and thirty thousand people um, to come this year. Um, and, um, and we're ready for it to be, to be amazing. You know, last week was, um, was Bogota DevCon. Uh, they had, they, they, they set a pretty high bar. Now they had two and a half years to, to make the event. Uh, and it showed it was great, but ETH Denver is going to even go further. 
um, with, you know, with the opportunities for growth opportunity. Like, and and I, what I want to say is if you want to learn more about this space, there is no single event you can go to, you know, and it's, it's been dubbed as like the longest running web three experiment on the planet. And, um, is it successful year over year? It seems to have been, um, do we have companies that come out of the hackathons, um, that are successful? Yes, we have lots of them. That's why we started Buffcorn Ventures. Do we have a community of people whose lives have changed as a result of being exposed to this, being exposed to the community we have? We have an insanely active Discord server all throughout the year um, with mentorship programs and various code-along programs and, and different things going on. We're, we're active in all the, the, the other events that are going on, the more conference-type st stuff. Um, but, but I think no matter what level you are from a total green noob just out of school to somebody who has real serious chops, you're going to find that there's things to learn. There's networking to do. There's, there's amazing. And by the way, I don't know if I mentioned it. Um, as long as you agree to join the DAO, which is free, the event is free. Um, and Easy. that means all the meals, all the food, all the entertainment, all the drinks, wow. all the education, everything that you get, is 100% free and the best swag in the entire industry. Um, so there's there's no good reason. This is what you get as being part of a community, right? This is what you get as being part of the Sporked Out community. And this is just the beginning, right? There's a lot I more. It. I love it. I love it. Um, so, so real quick, Russell, as we bring this to the close, and, I could, and again, I'm sure we're going to have another follow-up conversation here soon about a number of these items. Um, I'm sure the dates are on your website, but where's the best place for everyone to kind of find uh, information on ETH Denver, Sporkdow, and, and Buffercorn? Sure. So the best place to go is ethdenver.com. And uh, that has all the information about the pre-events, the event itself, post-events. Um, we are going to be releasing the, the first round of applications so that you can apply to, um, to come. That will be coming along in the next three or four weeks. Um, a lot of people want to arrange travel and things like that. So we try to get it out as, as soon as we can. Um, there's more coming on Buffercorn Ventures, um, which is the investment arm of ETH Denver as well. Um, so we, um, we closed up this year. We, you know, we invest almost exclusively in teams that come out of ETH Denver, the SporkDAO community, um, a lot from hackathons. And uh, we provide enough funding to, for them to work full time in the, in, on their project for six to six to nine to twelve months, depending on the uh, the actual project that they're on, and that they'll come around the next ETH Denver and show everyone what they've got and move on to the next phase of their business. Um, you've got we're going to have um, Colorado Jam pilots, so all over the place. We're actually going to have one at the state capitol where you can see digital twinning and NF NFT art um, hmm. in the capitol. Um, it's actually going to be the most accessible. Um, art exhibit ever in the history of Colorado because you're not going to have to be present for it. And there are many art exhibits that are in rooms that are for meetings only. So only a handful of people are ever in there. So this is the first time that everyone's going to have access to all those things. Um, and so you can see we're going on a lot of different fronts to try and make sure everybody knows, first of all, what it can mean to them, experience today that they can do it, as well as 
um, as well as giving them a glimpse of the technology and what is going to be there in the near future. I can't think of a better time to do it than in a down market like this is. The, 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 opportunity, the, the focus that you can have on a product at a time like this, as opposed to the blustery, you know, year ago that we had where everybody's like, oh, we need, the, everybody's pivoting every 12 seconds. Um, it's a great time to be, build, be, to be building. It's a great time to be working with those, those companies. And ETH Denver this year is going to be, um, is going to be absolutely amazing. Well, I, I think we're going to have to do a very large Y Whales uh, meet up there. We have a ton of, of members that are in the area, but I, I think it's uh, you've made it very clear that if if we're serious about Web3, uh, if we're serious about kind of helping promote uh, blockchain architecture overall, regardless of whether you're a, a, an ETH maxi or a Bitcoin maxi, um, ETH Denver is, is going to be the highlight of the year. And I really appreciate, uh, Russell, you and your team's time to put these things together. Um, you, you're, you know, just this is an amazing way to facilitate the tech to facilitate showcasing the technology and the communities um, in, in a way that I think get a really bad rap mostly mostly in the media um, that people can can come and I've, I've I know many people that have attended your events since since year one um, and they, and they just say it's, it is a fantastically run event. Um, I generally don't leave my little crypto cave here, but I will, I will absolutely be seeing Make you. Make an uh, exception this, this time. I Make will, an oh, exception. 100%. I, I'm, old, I'm, 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 I'm down uh, Highway 70. It's not, it's not oh, that perfect. far of a drive. Okay. So flight, flight drive, whatever the case is, we'll, we'll definitely see you there. Um, but, but for all of Y Whales, we, we thank you for what you do. Uh, we are excited for all this. And for everyone watching, this has been Russell with uh, the laundry list of, of projects here. We've got uh, Spork Dow, Buffer Corn Ventures, uh, Colorado Jam, and most importantly, ETH Denver. Um, and Russell, I also thank you just for your overall um, candor that you have towards regulation um, and common sense uh, approach towards, you know, we, we both have to live in the same world. Uh, let's try to find a happy medium and, and move forward and, and that focus on education issues. So th thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And, and uh, aloha, everybody. The Fabulous. Yeah, enjoy your vacation. Why, Wills? Uh, that's Russell with uh, the, the with a massive list of projects. Um, Russell, we'll catch you next time. Why, Wills? Thanks. Be good. Why, Wills was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.